Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hi there, folks. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. Every Friday, we have a great discussion panel and one particular topic. This is episode 222. We've got a packed house um, today. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty lively discussion as well. Um, I'm going to let ladies introduce themselves first. Go on, Sally, introduce yourself to the audience. I'm not sure I can claim to be a lady, but my name is Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl. I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. You're definitely a lady, Sally. Um, Kim, um, would, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm an instructor teaching WordPress or just general technology focused on WordPress, as well as business and communication skills. Right. Um, would our special guest like to introduce himself, Tom? Uh, sure, yeah. My name is Tom McCracken, and I am the founder of Level 10 Interactive, and we're the creator of the Intelligence plugin for WordPress. Right, that's great. And my great friend, Tom John Locke, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name is John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, uh, SEO, and custom WordPress development for mid sized businesses. Oh, um, Lee, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am the greater friend. No, I'm joking. You said my great friend. I was. I thought you meant me. I was about to say, yeah. Well, you are. You are friend. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Lee from Angle Crown, and uh, we work with design agencies to convert those into WordPress themes. Also, do the WP Innovator podcast. Um, Mendel, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I'm glad I got the artwork finished in time. All right, I'm Mendel. Wait, check it out. I'm oh, Mendel. Great. I love <laughs> WordPress. I work at GoDaddy. Uh, and um, yeah, oh, I'm just I'm very impressed. And Morton, <laughs> would you, finally Morton, would you like to introduce yourself, Morton? Hi, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor at LinkedIn Learning and Linda dot com. Um, I think I've, I've done well to remember who everybody's on this show. <laughs> yeah, but we've got packed out. On to the first news story, folks. And it's great that Morton's joined us. He wrote um, a quite intense piece. Gettensburg, how Gettensburg will shape the future of WordPress. Well, Moulton, um, would you like to give a synopsis of uh, what the article was about and why you wrote it? Uh, I have to go back and read it again. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've been trying to understand Gutenberg for pretty much since the project began back in uh, January. Uh, and there's been something something about it that hasn't felt right. Uh, we have a term for it in Norwegian. It's called nuvasum skurir. It just means that it's like, it's something internal in a person. We feel like there's something that's off, but you can't quite pinpoint it. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago that I realized it's, Gutenberg is much older than we think. Um, and I went through all my notes and everything, and I found um, references to something that sounded like Gutenberg from 2013. So I went and looked at uh, Matt's Mullenweg's uh, State of the Word talk from 2013. And wouldn't you know it, in that talk, he shows graphics from Mel Choice and Joan 
<laughs> that basically is Gutenberg in 2013. Um, and that's also the year he announced um, the um, uh, REST API. So if you follow that lineage, you realize that this is a process that's been ongoing for a long time. Um, and it's part of this grand scheme of maths to completely change the way people use WordPress in relation to the web from a publishing platform to a dashboard for web design and development um, and a dashboard for the web, uh, which is a fundamental change in how WordPress operates and how people will be using it. And so the article was about this, what it actually means. If we roll out Gutenberg in whatever version it is, what we're seeing now, this Gutenberg inside the editor is point one of what this is going to be. The next, if you go and look at the timeline for Gutenberg, you'll see that it says something like in January next year, uh, the focus will shift to customizer. What that means is the type of functionality you now see in the Gutenberg uh, beta will migrate into the customizer. So all of a sudden the customizer will turn into a block-based editor. Um, and the end game of all the stuff is for when you go into WordPress, you're no longer writing a post or writing a page. You're building a view using blocks and then you can create blocks and place blocks in different locations and basically customize the whole experience, which is uh, completely different from how WordPress works now in a, such a fundamental way that it's basically a watershed moment. There's WordPress before and there's WordPress after and it's so extreme that we're getting into the realm of incommensurability. Like there, there will, there's actually a, a, a situation here where I think once this gets rolled out in its completed form, you'll have people that get stuck in the current version of WordPress and people that will grow up on the new version of WordPress and communication between those two sides will be almost impossible because they're not talking about the same thing anymore. They're actually talking about two entirely different applications. And a lot of this conflict that you're seeing in the community around Gutenberg, I think is rooted in the same internal struggle I had, which is I was looking at Gutenberg as an evolution of the editor. That is not what it is. It's an evolution of all of WordPress and how WordPress works. And until uh, that is properly communicated to the community and the people who use WordPress, we'll continue having this very difficult conversation where the people that are working on Gutenberg are talking about one thing and the people on the other side are talking about something completely different. And they're just using the same words, but none of them are actually talking about the same thing anymore. So. Oh, thanks for that, Morton. Um, I actually think I agree almost 95% what you say, but I also think there's bigger issues. And John, John, you know, we had a quick chat yesterday. Would you like to um, say some of the things that your views about this as well, John? Yeah, and definitely. And the people who are listening to this podcast, the people who read WP Tavern, people who read Post Status or the Twerk, or, you know, listen to other podcasts like Matt Report or Carrie Dill's thing, we're all in the know about this, but there are literally thousands of agencies out there that I can guarantee you have no clue what Gutenberg is, no clue that it's getting rolled in, into core at all. Uh, because a lot of people that use WordPress 
they are not as tightly wound into this community as, as we assume that they are. And when this does roll into core, uh, not only are a lot of agencies and a lot of freelancers uh, not going to know what to make of it at first, but a lot of their clients are, are not going to know what to make of it either. And so if handled improperly, this would be a moment in which WordPress loses a lot of um, trust because I, I think a lot of clients that uh, have a WordPress site and if something goes wrong, uh, they're going to lose faith in WordPress itself. So that's just my concern. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. Um, anybody want to jump in? Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Sally. Um, <clears throat> right. So, you know, I have um, set up a Gutenberg test site because uh, partly because we're having a contributor day uh, on Sunday for our meetup, but I also am planning to invite all of my clients to it uh, because, yeah, I don't want them to just suddenly like log into their websites and say, WTF? You know, I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, and I think that onboarding issue that, that John raises is important. And I think that, you know, I mean, Morton's article was not a huge surprise because he said to us on this panel before a lot about how this is, you know, what you're seeing about the editor changes is, is the tip of the iceberg. And there's a, you know, there, there's more, uh, there's more planned here. And, and, you know, making revolutionary changes is not necessarily bad, but people need to be prepared for the revolution and, and, you know, WordPress has always had this issue of, well, you know, we do a moderately good job communicating to people who are closely connected to the community and, and know what to follow. But, uh, you know, 28% of the internet, there, there's a lot of people out there who have no connection to the, to the community at all and, and will be taken by surprise. And I don't know how to address that, uh, but it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so, uh, agree this fundamental shift. Um, Morton reads that right, in my opinion. Uh, who am I to say that Morton reads it wrong, though? Um, uh, it, it, it's just my opinion. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, uh, can, you but, can disagree all you want. But you have, but you have a cool accent, so I appreciate you more. Um, uh, I think um, fundamentally, um, going a click deeper, it's it's a user issue, right? Um, and so we should very much be looking at this as a user onboarding and a user usability issue. Um, instead of thinking of this as um, it's going to change how agencies operate, it's going to change how, um, um, how clients handle this, really we should be thinking about this as this is a user issue. It's going to be bloggers, it's going to be um, uh, agencies, it's going to be clients, it's, it's going to affect the way you interact with your client. Um, honestly, I think about it in a really good way um, in, in a certain respect. This is more billable hours, right, um, for, for people and their clients. And this is something that we have a really great infrastructure now to support within the WordPress community. So uh, things like WP 101, Sidekick, WP Beginner, right? Um, all, of, all of these things are kind of feeding that. Now, if they don't get on board and start creating content for Gutenberg, um, and and get that out into all the the mainstream channels, then then we're going to have a big education problem. Um, but my my sense is that they're going to do that, and also a lot of hosts 
um, have uh, have struck partnerships with Sidekick and WP 101 in particular. Um, so so they're uh, kind of educating uh, the masses. This is also where I think, and thinking from a host perspective, because that's that's who I work for. Um, but like, we don't want our customers to be to be lost, right? So we'll do what we can uh, from a support perspective and um, from an onboarding perspective, make sure people um, understand uh, how how the new editing experience works. Um, and I think that's going to be across the board. No, no hosting company wants to lose business, um, and no, uh, um, no, you know, uh, professional web professional wants to lose business. Uh, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a little rocky at first but um you know with fundamental change comes hopefully some fundamental progress so yeah i'll follow what you're saying Mendel, but um, i'm just going to put this to the panel and hopefully open it out i, I think there's a there's a bigger issue here really that um the issue is that um matt um has too many hats and it's fine having all those different hats is great when um, things are growing substantially and everything, everybody is benefiting and people just go with the flow. But I, I feel that there, there is a conflict um, here between being the CEO of Automatic and also being the head of the wider WordPress community there and also been the controlling force of um, the foundation as well. And um, there's a commercial conflict between what automatic needs and maybe what the um, WordPress.org and the foundation really needs. Um, would, uh, Lee, would you like to comment on what I've just said or not? Um, well, <clears throat> I think you... Uh, I, it's horrible to say this. I, I, Matt does kind of get on my nerves at the moment, and um, I don't mean to berate the guy or anything like that, but um, it feels like a community, but then when someone stands up and does the state of the word like a presidential address, I think there is something in me that just rebels against that, and it's probably the teenage chip on my shoulder um, because I, I kind of feel like that we are a community and uh, we, we've not necessarily elected one, um, you know, one voice i don't know anyway that's a whole other discussion um my massive concern about gutenberg is no one yet has shown me how i can use custom fields for all of the clients that i've done everything for so i'm i'm actually happy about gutenberg i think it looks freaking amazing i've hated tiny mce for years absolutely hated it this is going to solve a whole lot of problems for my clients who have loads of white space and start screwing up their sites inside of um inside of tiny mce so i'm really happy about this i am just bricking it about custom fields um, because so far I've, all I've ever searched is, you know, that everyone just says, Oh no, the project's too early. We've not done anything about that yet. And I just want to know that, uh, I'm not going to have awkward conversations. Uh, you know, I've got core products that rely on custom fields, uh, that I operate as SaaS products and everything. And no one seems to be talking about it much other than people who say, Oh, it's not coming. They're going to phase it out. And then that made me faint. So anyway, yeah. that's my rent rent. I think this is there was a much longer version of that article I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I'll, bet, I'll bet it was. <laughs> and I was like, I was sitting there going, eh, this is going to just cause a big monster battle. Delete, 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 delete. And I it took a bunch of stuff out also because 
I want I wanted the article to serve as an introduction for a lot of people and also to move the conversation forward. Mm. Um, I mentioned in the article, I think that I disagree with the way that this has been done um, uh, in, in my conclusion. And what I meant by that is there, I think Gutenberg is a very good example of how open source approaches problems in the wrong way. Um, and how once random decisions are made, they become decisions that then guide an entire process. Um, the problem I've had with Gutenberg since the beginning in terms of processes, it started out by saying, how do we design blocks inside the editor? Without defining who is this for? How are they going to use it? How does it impact the existing ecosystem? What are we going to do with all this custom content? What is this going to look like on the back end? Like this was a design project. They started by designing it. And then they were like, okay, so how do we make the data work with this design? And then how do we make other things work with the design? Which is completely opposite of how these types of projects should be run. You should start with who, who, what are the problems and who are the people that have the problems and how do we solve those problems on the data end? And then how do we migrate the data solution into a user interface so that people can actually use it? Um, and from that spun all these issues. Like um, when Gutenberg started, I immediately went and I said, when you build this prototype, make sure it's accessible. And the response was, no, 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 no. Accessibility comes later. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> You're wrong. That is actually not true. That's completely wrong. But whatever, just do that and you'll get this massive backlog of accessibility at the end, which is what they have now. And that goes for all these other things too. Like custom fields only came into the conversation a month ago around um, WordCamp Europe or maybe two months ago now. All of a sudden people were like, wait, what happens to custom fields and custom post types? And they're like, oh, yeah, they'll just, because like, custom fields will have like, after Gutenberg, there will be another section and that's where the custom fields will fit in. And people are like, what? No, that's crazy. That's not a solution. That, that will never work, right? And then they go, oh, well, we're going to phase out custom fields. And everyone's like, uh, so kill every website? Like that doesn't, and, and it just shows this, the, the intention is good, but it starts, in, the whole process started in the wrong place. And it's funny because, um, you know, I, I teach process and the process I teach is literally completely backwards from what they uh, what they've done. And it's not because it, it is not because they the people that are working on the project don't know how to do it. It's not because um, the people in the project uh, don't like don't know what they're doing or anything like that. It's simply because in open source there's this tendency to say let's just try this and see how it looks and then see if it works. And then all of a sudden enough people hook onto it that it becomes we are doing this. And once that decision is made, you've now made a bunch of random decisions. Like, this is what it's going to look like before you've figured out what the data that is. Or this is the JavaScript framework we're going to use without anyone actually having a conversation about what JavaScript framework you're going to use, right? So now React is being shunted into WordPress. But the reason why they picked React to begin with was just because the people who were on the project liked to work with React. There was never a conversation about, is this the right framework? In fact, in the beginning, they were actually specifically saying, we're using React now, but only for the prototype. The problem is now the prototype is the thing that will be incorporated into WordPress. So the process has caused a bunch of problems. And I sincerely hope that once this is done and a post-mortem is done on uh, the whole Gutenberg project, that the community, both WordPress community and the open source community, learns from this, that 
when you are doing massive things like this, you need to um, um, adopt a proper design process that starts with research and walks through data management and content management and all this stuff before you get to design. Because if you start with design, you lock yourself into a modality that may not work with your current data model and you end up with these weird solutions. Like for instance, using HTML comments inside the content field to separate content, which will just legacy wise become a huge problem. Like five years from now, that'll be a nightmare because people will have these enormous content blocks and they'll want to pull content out of those content blocks and they'll have to run parsers on this massive pile of content to segment out pieces. And then someone will invariably go in and edit one of the HTML comments and destroy the entire database in the process. Well, yeah, I know we've got a big panel. I didn't want to intervene too often, but like I say, I think it's a big issue. It, and Matt, if you ever do listen to this, if, if when you get any feedback, love you to bits, but when you, you've got to listen to your friends, Matt. And, um, you know, I don't know why you're the lead of this project. It would be like the new CEO of GoDaddy saying that he wants to go down to the server um, center and start um, configuring some servers. Um, you just don't do that, Matt. Um, you, um, you're head of automatic and you're head of the foundation. It doesn't need you to the, to be lead of this project. Actually, it's a terrible sign that you are the lead of this project. Um, um, can, I, can, I just say, can I just yeah. say one thing to that? Um, if you go to the WP Tavern article that Jeff wrote about my article that I didn't know existed until yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you look at the comments there, Matt, in those comments, are interacting with the community about Gutenberg for the first time. So... He's not just saying, we're doing this, this is good, but he's actually laying out over a bunch of different comments, the reasoning behind it, the, his vision for this, why it's happening, what he thinks will happen in the future and all that stuff, which is great. Possibly because, if he'd said it sooner, it would Yeah, help. and like, that, that's what I'm getting at. That information should have been there in January, that he should have been part of this conversation from the beginning, instead of being like, you just don't understand, just wait, it'll be fine. He should have engaged the community and explained what was going on. And I'm very glad to see that he's finally doing it, because that's a part of the conversation that has been entirely missing. Everyone's been shouting at a, blank, at a wall, and there's been no information coming out, except you're not understanding this. This is good. You just don't understand yet. So seeing him actually engage with the community is a positive step and moving forward i hope that that will be part of the process more just actual communication this has been a boiling issue um over time right if, if you look at some of the controversy over um track tickets and um and uh you know changes um changes over time to the project um if you look at things like um, uh, recommendations for uh, companies within the community or blackballing of companies within the community. Um, if you look at the um, uh, if you look at the publicly available contract structures that have been created um, for uh, financial contribution to the community, this is a this is a large um, uh, should be a large focal area of a maturing community um, to to say, listen, people are people are basing their businesses, their livelihoods, their children's um, 
uh, nutrition, right, off of off of a project um, that we all feel um, passionate about sustaining um, in a in a in in a in a, in a good way for everybody. Um, leadership is totally important. Um, I don't think I would take as strong a stance um, as you all have on on Matt. Um, at the same time, I, I would I would say that um, he definitely uh, should spend some time um, do, doing a little bit of soul searching about um, how everybody else is interacting with this project and how everybody else feels when they feel out of control. Um, uh, because they don't, they lack the information uh, that might help them to uh, prepare for incoming changes or understand a roadmap so that uh, they can they can prepare for how their business will operate ten months down the road, twenty months down the road, whatever. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's significant. I think it's been boiling for a while. I don't know that it, it changes until something breaks bad um and uh and enough people are upset about it that seems to be the way the world works at least um i also have faith in matt though i think that i think that he um is a good person and i think uh you know from my limited interactions with him and understanding how he's how he's worked um there's a lot about wordpress and the community that he set up that that really is beautiful um, and very different than any other community uh, on earth as far as open source goes. And so, um, so I, I guess I have faith that if, if enough people are super direct um, and, and helpful um, to kind of help shift him in, into the right direction um, with being more open uh, about some of these things, uh, I, I think, I think he has the capacity to change whether or not he'll do it. I don't know, but I think he has the capacity. Oh, I, I think that, I think that was fantastic, Mendel. I, I, I really I agree with everything you've just said. Um, but I, I get to the key point is that I agree with everything you say, Mendel. But I just think there's a time there's too many conflict conflict conflicting hats that have been worn by Matt. You know, he's got a. There's definitely conflict. I'll agree with you there. There's you know, it gets to the stage where you don't know, you know, as CEO of Automatic, he has a clear obligation to his investors to get the best return on their investment. That That is his duty. And that, some ways, I feel, must get into conflict with some other parts. It's... It's got to the stage where I think it's just a, he's a beautiful man and he developed, um, but also you must remember he developed it on the shoulders of a lot of people that have done a lot of work for free that have contributed their time and effort to the WordPress community and have had no return and they did it, you know, freely. But I guess my point though is that we all have, right? Yes. Like I, I make I I make a salary every uh, every couple weeks because uh, in part because of WordPress, right? And everybody on this call has made money as a result of WordPress. So I think all of us have interests. I think Matt um, has. There are some conflicts. I think it's easier easier to poke at somebody else. I agree with you though. There are some things that are definitely questionable, right? Um, 
WordPress.com versus WordPress.org, right? Exclusive right to the, there's, there's lots of stuff there that, that we can pick apart, but I also, I, I hate, I hate to, to, to be against everything that people are saying um, kind of against Matt on this call, but I, I also think there's, no, I'm there's, against, but there's I, something. I really, uh, uh, yeah. I really yeah, don't I, want to give the impression that I'm against Matt. I really don't. Um, I, I was in two minds to say <laughs> the things that I've said. But yeah. I've had a lot. A lot. I've had a lot of people say those to me in private over the past year. I've had a lot of people say a lot worse, and I, I brought up to them that I felt they were being totally unfair to Matt. Absolutely, <clears throat> a lot worse, Mendel, to me. Um, but they're just not prepared to say it in public. Um, and I, I think he needs some honest feedback about how this project has been handled and. I think the outcome should be could be very beneficial, but it could also be a total freaking mess, and um, it could go either way. And if he's not prepared to listen to people that really care about the WordPress community and get honest feedback, there's a problem, Mendel. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree that there's a problem. You're right, so I did. I'm going to run away. See you later. Right, you bye, 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 Morton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's all but um that's that's what i meant really folks um i think we won't have enough time to talk about our other two stories we, we might discuss them next week folks um we've got a special guest as well he's been very silent through this um but we're gonna go back to um after our break we're gonna go to our main topic which is understanding behavior flow in Google Analytics. We're going to have a bit, a little bit of a feast about Google Analytics and our lack of ability with it, which hopefully our guest, Tom, will put us right. So we'll be back in a minute, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back folks we've had we've had a bit of a lively discussion in the first half which was great we're passionate about wordpress here folks and we're going on to our, our main topic and i'd like to introduce tom um tom um, maybe you can start off the discussion on some of the um basic mistakes that you see people um, doing utilizing Google Analytics. Would you like to start off, Tom? Sure. Um, well, probably the biggest thing is that you know, Google Analytics, they just normally do a default install. And you know, the default install doesn't really tell you the uh, valued interactions that are happening on a website. Sure, it's nice to know how many visitors you're getting, how long they're staying on the site, even though it's a skewed number, um, page hits, things like that. But in reality, you need to set up your goals. You need to set up um, all kinds of micro interactions to understand, are people actually reading your content? Are they hard bouncing? Um, are people watching your videos? How deep are they watching? Um, and so really the, the big thing I think that people need to do when they set up Google Analytics is, is come up with ways to measure as many valued interactions as possible. And then you can start to understand better what the results are that the website's producing. 
Oh, that's great. Um, and you got any um, to start, you know, to kind of start off this discussion, have you got any kind of suggestions about how to overcome what you've just stated? Um, well, let's see, there's, there's, I guess is a general way. Um, so that's, that's the project that, that we're doing, the intelligence project is sort of a way of collecting a lot of this stuff. But in general, you know, the first step is to set up your, um, to set up your goals. They're, they're different for every site, but you know, a lot of people are going to be tracking when forms are submitted. Um, the problem is a lot of times when people do that, they'll use something like a destination event. So like, for example, if you have a pay, someone submits a form to download an ebook or white paper, what have you, and they go to a page, well, a lot of times where the download is, a lot of times they'll just forward that email to somebody else and if you just set up a destination event you'll get sort of these false positives that people have actually submitted uh, submitted a form um, and there's ways to hook into the form builders um, to know when was a form actually submitted and then to generate a goal off that but takes takes some extra work um, so that's a good place to start the the other area I think it's really kind of interesting is um, you know Google has a Google Analytics is a very powerful events platform, um, and just you know measure all your social interactions um, that are happening. Measure all your video plays, which can get kind of tricky. But there's recipes for out there for doing it for the different different platforms like YouTube. And then one of the last things I really like to do is. Um, looking at things like visible time on page, looking at page scroll. So like if someone comes, uh, comes to say a blog post or a landing page from some sort of ad or, or a search engine and they do a hard bounce, it's just it's what they see is not relevant. The page takes too long to load. They click back in five seconds. You need to know that's a hard bounce versus the people that they go to a page, they read through the whole thing and maybe not necessarily, it maybe it answers their question too well, gets them what they want uh, you know, uh, very well so they don't have to go to another page where you need to really differentiate differentiate between those two so one of the big things we like to do is set up something called a page consumed event um, so you might say did someone stay on the page for a certain amount of time and do they scroll through so much of the content um, you can get really really sophisticated with it like medium does where you know you kind of look at time but you only count like 30 seconds after every interaction of scroll or whatever but even just doing a basic uh, counting the time that the page is visible and um, looking at do they scroll down far enough through the content and then you trigger an event based on that. That'll actually help correct for uh, sort of false bounces, like then you'll only be recording hard bounces. Um, and also you'll get a much more accurate uh, time on site. So, oh. you know, those are some of the things I, I, I like to do on the measurement side. Then there's a whole lot you can do with custom metrics as far as pushing like the authors of content, um, pushing taxonomies, um, all kinds of different things, content types. And then you can start to understand better, say what authors are producing the most valuable content or what topics do people find most interesting and so forth. Well, that's great, Tom. Um, John, you know, we did some work together and we still are with a particular client and you delved in um, quite heavily for me with Google, a part of Google Analytics. It's, what is it about Google Analytics, John? You know, after doing that delving, is it, is it, does it do, because a lot of people just set it up and just leave it, don't they, John? Is it trying, is it an interface problem or is it interface and it's got so much power that it's just totally in, intimidating, John? Like, give some feedback. Yeah, definitely. Like Tom was saying, you know, uh, I think a lot of people, um, they, install Google Analytics and they don't really take it a whole lot farther. They, they kind of just have the basic setup where they can see what the most popular pages are. Um, they may or may not have goal conversions set up. But I, I think what, what the problem is, is really Google Analytics has a lot of power, but a lot of people just 
don't explore how to take advantage of that power and uh, you know get measurable metrics. Um, I, I think the more traffic that your site has, the more that you can really delve into those numbers and uh, see patterns. For example, you can uh, just a simple thing that you can do is you can use the comparison tool to uh, measure your most popular pages versus time on page and, and see what pages are actually people are dwelling on that are popular and, and put more focus on them and see which pages need to be improved. That's just one example, but there's many, many things that, that I think people don't take advantage of because they just don't understand like everything that's underneath the hood. But one thing that's really good is, is Google has um, kind of on a revolving basis, they have their own YouTube channel where they kind of explore this stuff. They have partner programs where they try and train people. Um, you can sign up for, you know, their different training academies for uh, analytics and stuff like that. So the information is there. I think it's just a lot of people just need to take the time to, to kind of go through it and, uh, you know, find out what it can do. Yeah, it's really, I was going to ask Lee because you know Lee, you know, I've delved a little bit more into it recently, but you, so many people just set it up and it's just left. Is it you know you could if you're dealing with something that's rather complicated, there's only so much so far you can make it easy, is there? Or is it is it too bloated? Does it need to be modularized a little bit and? so people can like do it in stages is 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 there something fundamentally is it to do with the ux and that's why and it's so complicated and that's why people just leave it lee what what do you think well let me speak from the experience of somebody who looks at um, google analytics and then weeps and then does nothing with the information at all uh, we've got tons of information in google analytics and we've tried to understand what's going on in there i feel thick because i'm a wordpress developer i should know how to use google analytics and understand the information i'm looking at and even understand what to do with that information even if i understood and then i kind of came to the realization we had actually a meeting about three or four weeks ago and it suddenly dawned on us that we don't have those skills necessarily why are we trying to do all this so we've actually been i'm, I'm really glad to meet tom to be honest because we we need to fill that gap we need to be able to talk with someone who has the those skills. I don't think Google need to make it any easier. I just think that um, people who want to understand what they have in front of them need to be talking with the right people, with the experts. Because even if Google made the information super easy to digest, we still probably need consultancy of the people that know what to even do with that data. What does it mean that more people click on that button than that button? I have no idea. What do I do with that information? Do I put a completely different button in its place? Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, good how it looks how it works i i don't have any opinion on it all i want to be able to do is find a good partner hi tom um <laughs> who can help me and my business understand what the hell's going on in that and give us some advice and some options on some actions that we can take as a business um because yeah the, the minute i looked at that i realized that was not my skill set although i've i've tried i've like i've tried to mm. use it and i've tried these add-ons i think there was some add-on that came out a little while ago that made it all look super easy so I connected it and it looked really pretty 
at yeah. a, a name beginning with F or something like that. I can't remember. And then they finished. They, I think they, they canned it a few weeks ago. Uh, but still, I didn't know what I was doing with the data because yeah. it was just numbers. So I think Google have made something amazing for the people that know how to use it. Uh, and the people that know how to use it need to get better like Tom and they need to come on podcasts and say, hey, I'm here uh, and we can help. Yeah, before yeah, I go I- back... Yeah, go on, Sally. I was going to go I think to you anyways. It's illustrating one of the important points here. It's not, nece- it's not just about, okay, how easy is it to set up a goal or measure a goal? And can you find tutorials on these things? It's how do you know? Because, you know, a lot of my clients don't know what to measure every single week. Um, <clears throat> don't know what to measure. measure about their sites. They don't know what kind of goals they should be setting up. And, and that's, you know, un- un- until you can do that, uh, and you know, then then the the technical know how isn't very useful. If you're measuring if you're measuring the wrong things, it's it's not going to get you very far. So uh, you know, things that Tom points out about how you can you know just learn to distinguish between somebody who you know they come to the page, they read the whole article, it answers their question, versus they come to the page, they look at, it, they say, nope, not going to stay here. And, uh, and, and go away, uh, you know, that's probably useful for everybody. But a lot of other things are going to depend on what, you're, what kind of a site you have and, and what it's supposed to be doing for your business. And, and frankly, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Um, Mendel, just to finish up, if I go back to Tom, um, got any reflections on what, you know, am I right? I'm trying to get to the crux why um, a lot of, developers really bright people when they look at google analytics like lee said and i they just i just can't be bothered with it is it is it a ux problem information or is it just something so it's so it's a speciality and you just got to accept that you're gonna have to study a lot yeah uh some of us are good at design some of us are good at code some of us are good at analysis um Rarely are any of us good at everything. Um, I think uh, Sally's spot on. uh, To take it a click further, probably it'd be good for client and um, uh, and agency or and freelancer to um, to both go through basic courses on um, the different metrics on a website and and what um, uh, what to look for and what's meaningful and what's not. Um, in certain cases, if you're getting tons of sales, but your time on site is low, uh, awesome. Who cares, right? Um, but if, if you're running a content site um, and, and you don't have high time on site, that probably is not good, you know? Um, and so uh, it depends, depends on the vertical, and, um, and it's just good to know what all the metrics mean and how they tie into real life. But I, I would say, like, if you don't know how to do it, um, or or if you don't feel comfortable with it, or if it's a if it's a you know a side act to what you you normally do, um, hire hire somebody just like you'd hire an accountant. You know, um, I think that's I think that makes sense. Does yeah. Tom? Um, I just wanted to get some feedback from the panel, but um, let's see if we can give some actionable tips to our listeners let's let's talk about let's say an e-commerce website um you got your e-commerce website you got reasonable traffic to it 
and you've decided that you've been, you're going to really install Google Analytics. What are some of the things? Can you give some quick tips and insights? I know it's a massive topic, but we've got to do the best we can in the time we've got. And you'll be coming back um, on the show in the next couple of weeks for interviews, so we're going to go into a bit more depth on this. But can you give us some tips about some of the things they should set up Google Analytics around e-commerce and some of the things that they should be looking at? Well, e-commerce ends up sort of being a beast in and of its own. Um, and Google Analytics has a whole other side for dealing with e-commerce. Oh, basic version. <laughs> when you talked about being more modular, there's sort of a basic version of e-commerce that advanced. And you can do some wild stuff. You'd set up all your products in there and you can set up all your attributes and you can play around with different pricing strategies. Um, but that almost is really like a whole whole topic on itself what might be a little bit easier is say dealing with say content marketing um so uh yeah because e-commerce is a beast um so on the content marketing um side which of course you know could play into an e-commerce thing i think one of the biggest things is you know you just need to know i think what's always tricky is that there are people who are buying your products but it might take them quite a while buying say buying professional services or something like that it might take them quite a while to convert um, and then there's also your champions. There's, I'm sure everybody on the panel you know, knows that where you give away uh, content and knowledge and you're a thought leader. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people that, you know, they might be WordPress developers or marketers, and they're champions of your brand, but they might not necessarily directly buy. They may refer people to you. And so I think one of the things you've got to understand is that you get value both from uh, people that are, say, your brand champions submitting to your newsletters and so forth. And so I think the biggest thing is just measure, basically look at a website. One of the things that uh, we like to do as a part of sort of an agile process is get a, get a group of people around a room, maybe a marketer, some different people in an organization with a client, and you just get hand out three by five cards. And you just say, what are the goals of your website? Um, and people start writing them out and calling them out and putting them in the middle of a table. Um, and then over time say, well, how can we quantify? Some of these goals might be we want a better looking website. Well, that's a little hard to tell in Google Analytics. You could maybe set up a survey to test that or something like that. But there's a lot of other things that you can test. And so you kind of pull from those cards and say, what are these things? How can we set up measurements for these things on the website? And then trying to put some value around those things, sort of weighting them. Um, so, you know, if someone requests a demo off of our website, that might be worth 200 points or something like that. If someone shares a piece of content, that might be worth 10 points. And by adding all that stuff up, it'll transform your Google Analytics if you implement those as, as events and goals inside of Google Analytics, because now you're not looking at page hits anymore. You're not looking at sessions. You, you can still look at that stuff, but now you're looking at things that are truly meaningful. And you can say, hey, when we change that menu structure, or we changed that UX design, or we added that ebook, or we, you know, started add, putting content with a certain topic um, did our value go up or down um, so and it might be yeah it's probably a high level kind of a high level overview but I think it's the biggest thing so you got to sit down define what your goals are um, and then and then come up with ways to implement them using um, uh, goals and events inside of Google Analytics. I think that's been a, a quite insightful moment in the conversation because I think that that might be the key why people struggle with Google Analytics because You've got to Google Analytics. I just want to get your feedback on this, Tom, and see if I, I might be on the right track here. Google provides a load of information, but it's up to you to kind of wait what is the important parts of the information that Google's going to provide through Google Analytics. You've got to wait. You've got to make, you know, this pattern of movement through the website or this trigger. 
um, you've got to make the decision if is that trigger really important to my type of business um, Google Analytics can't do that bit for you am I on the right track there Tom um, I think you are uh, there's a great quote I heard from uh, an agile project uh, project manager years ago that said um, that I'd rather have fuzzy numbers around meaningful things than hard numbers around things that are just easy. And I think that's one of the problems that Google Analytics is set up to measure, uh, you know, to measure things that are easy to measure, but the things that are harder to measure and have to be set up custom per website, those are the things that are more valuable. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think another good tidbit is you know, just start measuring those things. Just start setting up the events and goals. And over time, you can iterate and add more things, adjust, you know, tune your scoring um, and things like that. But th that's why I think like the you know, people kind of just use the basics because they kind of stick with, uh, you know, the, they stick with the things that are easy to measure. Yeah. Um, Kim, you've been quiet because we've got, we've got a big panel this week. But, you know, you're, you've been in the um, analytical side of the business as well, haven't you, Kim? Can you see what I've been trying to struggle with um, during this part of the conversation about, you know, why Google, or do you think, um, I've, I've just been waffling, Kim. No, I think, I absolutely think it's confusing. And I think what Tom said makes so much sense. Um, I'm actually not strong at analytics, even though <clears throat> I've done some work for a, you know, AI analytics type of company but that's not my strength so I really appreciate everything Tom's saying because I'm just I'm quiet because I'm typing over here because I'm taking it all in uh, one of the things it did remind me of though it was just I was going through a business book recently and they were talking about why like smart goals and companies don't work because a lot of times it's very easy for someone to just stick in the easiest goals to check them off as opposed to actually measuring something that they're doing that makes sense for the company that affects the bottom line. And that's why you needed reach goals. So it just to me kind of tied in that I know I'm looking at all the wrong stuff. So I need help from people like Tom to yeah. make sure I'm measuring the right things. So Tom, um, let's say you're called in to consult with a company. Um, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you do almost straight away, some of the data that you, based on your experience, obviously each business is going to be very individual, but what I'm hoping is there's some linkage based on your experience. What are some of the key things that you try and set up to get the data and what some of the data that gives you the most insight about how a website is doing in commercial terms? Um, you mean so like set what would I set up in Google Analytics? Yeah, what what are the first things you try you know to get the the, the type of data gives you the biggest impact to start off sure. with? Um, the first things uh, like one of the easiest scenarios is probably websites are trying to do lead generation, um, and then the first thing you need to do is measure every. Um, every point where there is a conversion. Um, and so like a typically, like someone's implementing inbound marketing, you know, you're typically gonna have sort of the sales ready uh, level. And so you might say that might be your contact form and you might say, okay, well, 50% of people who submit this thing, half are trying to sell us something, half are actual customers. And so we'll say, all right, the value of that is X. You know, if someone submits a demo, that might be worth more. But if someone say downloads an ebook, that's important. So we need to track that. And then maybe you send them an email and they come back and they download 
code, you know, some sort of case study or something like that. So you need to track that. So basically, you know, you're trying to track all those meaningful interactions that A, when you're getting a lead coming in and someone's kind of moving from an anonymous visitor to a known visitor that you can proactively market to. Um, those are important. Um, obviously, things like if people are sharing your content, um, if people are commenting. So basically, what I would like to see is engagement. You know, are we writing content that, you know, not just ranks well in the search engines, but people are actually reading and engaging with because we want to detect as early as possible that we're, st we're getting engaged audiences to certain things. Um, the, like I said, the, the consuming of content, um, if video is important on a website, you know, you want to set up video measures, because um, that's one of the tricky things. You can have all these videos that sort of act like pages on the website. In a sense, of course, it can be embedded, like the same video can be embedded in multiple places, but they sort of act like this piece of content that out of the box Google Analytics is completely silent on. Um, and so, you know, now if you set up an event, hey, someone, you know, played this video and they scrolled this deep into it and so forth, you can start to understand that effectiveness. So, so those are going to be some of the big things. Um, if people are doing e-commerce, you set up e-commerce and then you track actual purchases. Um, one trick I like to do with e-commerce is a lot of people, they just put in the total amount that was, uh, the total amount that was revenue that was generated. Um, there's some nice little tricks where you can kind of say, well, this product, we have a 50% markup or this product, we have a 25% markup or something like that um, and then you push the actual profit margin through because um, that gives you a much better idea as you play with pricing strategy you know the difference if you got a product that is $100 or you price it down to $80 on a, on a thing well you might think oh that's only 20% difference but in reality your profit margin went down by a good bit more than that um, so those are those are like a lot of the the main things um, I think I would do on most websites yeah, that's great. Um, Mendel, um, obviously, you know, you represent GoDaddy in that. I was just thinking, you know, you have a lot of people using e-commerce on GoDaddy, people, you know, commercial websites. Do, do you get do you get the sense talking to your team, you get a lot of feedback from um, your user base that they're very confused about how to set up Google Analytics and how to get all this running? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, any anytime you're dealing with small business owners, um, I, I think there's always a, uh, unless unless their specialty is on the web, uh, there's always a little bit of confusion uh, about all of these tools, right? Um, from anything from email to you know, no small business owner cares about DNS um, uh, to the, the the paradigm between domain and hosting. So, um, so yeah, Google Analytics is um, is often difficult. Um, two things that kind of focus on number one is uh, making it seamless to set up um, and and giving giving them support. You know, so a lot of support calls are about stuff like that. But number two, business owners want analytics about how their business is doing without understanding that it's called analytics or that there's anything by Google that does it, right? So they say, I, wanna, I want to refer 16 more pizza orders per month from my website to, um, to my business, or I want to sell 52 more products so that I can reach X amount of revenue. That's how they're thinking about it, you know? Um, they they want to sell more, do more, have more people see it, have more people interact with the brand, have more people come through the door. So they're looking from that perspective. Um, the best thing, uh, you know, similar to how um, a really in-depth 
uh, uh, analytics professionals deal with things. Um, we we try to coach uh, small business owners on what you know what this offering is and and how to use it to the benefit of their business, and then we help them set it up. So. Um, yeah, the the reason yeah. I, the re, the reason I asked you that question really is that um, I I think there's a certain uh, I I have I have a lot of clients say, "Oh, we've got to put Google Analytics on the site." I want Google Analytics to be put on the site, and we put it on the site, and we know they're not going to look at it. We yeah. know, they're just not going to touch it. Um, a because it, the investment in time and effort and they should be concentrating on other things like content, lead generation, um, other things, and then at a certain stage. Um, but that could be, I'm not sure I'm about that because, you know, um, if you don't have data from day one, you're just shooting in the dark, really, to some ways. So yeah, I'm I, think in. I think it's your it, job. It, it, wasn't that Morton's point about... Um... Telemetry and WordPress. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, but sorry, Wendell. No, I, I was just going to say. I think it's. I think it's the job of of the web professional to um, to make sure analytics is on site from day one, um, as as a part of however you you set up the the product, um, even if uh, even if they don't have access to it. And then number two, that again, this is this is another billable hour or upsell opportunity to say, hey. By the way, um, I, I can start providing insights to you um, on, on how you might make um, create more sales opportunities. Would you like me to do that? And then this turns into a tool for, for you uh, to glean insights from to then, to then sell those insights to your uh, business owner. Because the majority of business owners, I've, I've had a few when I was freelancing that, that love to look at it. Most of them are like, dude, just tell me, tell me what the hell all this means and then I'll... And then I'll take action. So that's great, Tom. Um, before we wrap up the show, um, is there any other particular subject you want to bring to the notice to the listeners? Um, well, one might just be to comment on some of the conversation you're having there. Um, what I agree, actually, one of the problems is that Google Analytics sits over on the side, and normally only an analysis analyst looks at that information. One of the things that we feel is really important is to bring that data. Where, where the content producers and the developers, the designers are living, which is the CMS. Um, and so like one of the things that um, the, like the plugin, the intelligence plugin does yeah. is that on every blog post, you get a report of all the things that, that well, that's going on on that post. And so things like you're gonna see how many times it's been shared in social, how many times people have clicked on CTAs and gone and downloaded things. And where that's really neat is years ago, um, when we, we kind of put this on our website, we had all of our developers writing content. And we just said, write about things you find interesting, you think other people would, but they never understood the business impact they were making. And then once we kind of had this tab sitting there, now all of a sudden they're getting a score, they get to total up all the value of all the things that happen on the page and everything downstream. And all of a sudden now they became very interested in the impact that their content was having to the point that it got game of in fact, it almost got a little too competitive. Um, you know, people started spending a lot of time, you know, creating pretty graphics because they started to figure out that that's what you know makes things more interesting and engaging. But I think that's a key too: is to not just have this platform that's over there that a lot of people don't even have access to. You've got to give the access to the people that are you know continually making changes on the website, people building the landing pages, people writing the attraction content, and so forth. I think that was a fantastic point because um, I want to point out Tom and his partner are going to be coming on the show in the next couple of weeks um, and we'll be delving in about this plug-in solution they've got that looks 
fantastic um tom thank you so much for being our guest how can people get hold of you and learn some more about the plugin and about your company um so the plugins on wordpress.org it's uh, uh wordpress.org plugins intelligence um also there's a website for it intelligencewp.com um those are probably the best sources and um i'm uh happy for anyone on the panel to kind of do a walkthrough that's where you know right now it's kind of, it's in it's in beta we've we've actually had it on another platform we actually had it in drupal for years and we had a whole lot of people request us to bring it over to wordpress so um i you know i haven't I, you know, we did WordPress way back when, so I dug dove into it and was like, yeah, we can get this done. Um, so we're kind of rolling out the WordPress world now. Um, so, but if you go to either of those places, um, they'll tell you how to get in touch with us. Um, and so we're kind of rolling out, giving demos to people, you know, mostly people that are consultants or uh, developers um, to kind of get their understanding of what they think about it and what, you know, what types of things they think their clients would want to measure. Oh, that's great. Um, Sally, how can people get hold of you, Sally? All right, you can find me on WPFangirl.com. Uh, if you want to join the Gutenberg test site, uh, anybody can create an account. It's gutenberg.eastbaywp.com. And uh, the East Bay WordPress meetup is at eastbaywp.com. Um, John, how can people get hold of you, John? You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at lockdown underscore. Oh, and um, it's Mendel coming back. Yeah, Mendel, how can people get hold of you? Well, good question. Tell you what, you can uh, can hit oh. me up here. I mail a little CD at if you will it. Um, oops, oops, I'm I'm blocking out the Isle of WordPress. But yeah, at if you will it. You can also um, go to if you will it dot com. Um, I'll also be at WordCamp Denver this weekend, provided I can get out of the hurricane uh, in Texas. And of course, if uh, you are all at, at, at all interested in the stuff I'm working on over at GoDaddy, it's godaddy.com slash pro. That's great. Thanks, Mendel. Um, my co-host, Kim, how can people get hold of you? You can find me on Twitter at Kim Schivler or uh, online at whitegloveWebtraining.com. Oh, thanks, Kim. And you can get hold of me, folks, really quite easily on my Twitter channel at Jonathan Denwood. Send me a message through there. Send a message through the WP Tonic site. We love feedback. Or you can email me at jonathan at wp-tonic.com. Um, I would want to thank the panel. Um, some had to leave a bit early. Understandable, we're all busy people. Um, but I think we've had a fantastic conversation. I just want to end to say that I, I love Matt. And I, I don't want to come across that I was attacking him in any shape or form just giving some friendly advice. That's all I was trying to do. Um, we'll be back next week for another roundtable show. It's really enjoyable to have the panel. We ha I think we have some of the best WordPress discussions um, on um, the web at the present moment. And please feel to join us on our Facebook live feed or you can um, use the link which you find on the website and you can join us in the conversations. So from now, goodbye and hopefully we'll see you next week. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.